from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right. Welcome back to another edition of Jersey Jump Shot from USA Today Network. Thank you for listening. Uh, episode number 12 on the season, our last episode in the month of February. That means it's do or die time for our New Jersey college basketball teams. We'll get much more into bracketology and what we think about the results this week and what needs to happen for these teams in order to lock down their seeds. We'll get plenty into that. We have a lot to get through, of course, for this show. Things are really starting to heat up in the world of college basketball. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Chris Eisman, and Steve Edelson. Guys, welcome back to another exciting week of uh, college basketball. We're really starting to get into the thick of things now. Uh, before we get into all of our brackets and projections and, and what our teams need to do in order to, to lock down those seeds in today's show, um, we're going to talk a little bit about Governor Phil Murphy. Uh, he's scheduled to make an announcement, full disclosure, about an hour from now as we sit here recording on Monday morning. Um you know, Jerry, we'll we'll start with you. What what can we maybe uh, kind of guess what the governor's going to say? He said it's going to be a sports-related announcement uh, in regards to COVID, so one has to assume this has to do something with fans. Yeah, we, we think it's imminent that uh, New Jersey's going to join the New York's policy of allowing 10% capacity in these arenas. And, uh, you know, uh, the Big East basically has announced that they're looking into that. They're going to have fans uh, they're going to abide by New York's 10% rule at the Big East tournament, and they're just figuring out a way to how to how to get those fans there. There's not going to be a public sale. There's going to be an allotment to the teams. Is what we believe is going to happen. That's not finalized yet, and we I believe that's coming. That's going to happen with New Jersey, and it makes sense. Uh, some of these arenas are big. You can space people out. They're going to be doing it at the NCA tournament in in uh, in Indiana, even more up to 25% at venues there. Look, it's like going to the supermarket. There's a lot of people in the supermarket. They're wearing masks. If you know, they're relatively keeping their distance, this this will be even more spread out than that. It, it it can be done safely if people follow the protocols, right? We already have fans at high school games. So the the big question becomes, can this happen in time to get fans into the rack Wednesday, into the rock next week? for these final home games for these teams that desperately need a win. What, what do you guys think of this this whole thing with allowing fans in? I think they absolutely should do it. And if, if you can, you you should be able to, even if it's a few hundred fans, even if it's a thousand fans, even if it's friends and family, you know, it, it, it can only help the players mental, you know, if, if they're, if their uh, if their families are allowed to come see them, I think that's a huge thing. You know, if we're talking about the mental health of players through all of this, yeah, you can get you can get eighteen ten percent capacity means you can get eighteen hundred people into the into the Prudential Center for Seton Hall's senior night game against UConn next week. That's a decent number of people, and you know at the at the rack seats eight thousand. You get eight hundred people in there. That's a decent number of people. They can make some noise. You know, where, where Monmouth plays, that beautiful arena they have, Steve, 10% is about 400, right? Yeah. The, the, now, again, I think they, they should absolutely circumvent this, but the MAC has said no fans through March, uh, through the end of March for their league. Now, listen, if the governor of your state says that you can have fans, you should be able to circumvent that rule. That's my feeling. And we know the Big East and the Big Ten has been leading it up to jurisdictions. So presumably, I mean, I can tell you right now, the Devils in Seton Hall, they're going to have fans. They're going to have fans if, if 
if it's allowed now, now there's going to be a public sale probably not is going to be an allotment probably to people given out in some some lottery type or form or given out to donors and maybe students i don't know but it's there's not going to be a public sale i doubt but for Rutgers, it's an interesting question and chris you've been monitoring this closely right Rutgers had no fans in the fall in football they've had no fans in anything they haven't even adopted a parents policy whereas seton hall has been allowing the parents to come the games of the players over the last month. Rutgers hasn't done that. Rutgers put out an announcement over the weekend saying, you know, that we can't even have any fans at our lacrosse games at our at our baseball and softball games, which are outside. So how do you think this is going to shake out? And what do you think of what they should do in the rack for the Indiana finale senior day big game on Wednesday? Yeah, it's absolutely going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, and as you said, they've kind of been resistant to having um, fans uh, so far, understandably so. But I, I do think that for this, um, they should at least have fam- family and friends in, you know, the, the close family members of the players. I think that's a big deal for them. Um, so even if they don't allow, you know, just kind of, you know, general fans in, I think that would be an important thing just to get family in there. I think that would mean a lot for the players in the final home game of the season. So I'm very interested to see how they handle this, obviously, with two games, two days to go until that game. Um, but I do think that there should be some fans in there, no question. And I doubt Governor Murphy's doing this with senior senior night in mind. He probably doesn't even know what senior night is, although he does go to the basketball games now and then. But it would be perfect timing for senior night for these programs to be able to have a crowd, even a small one, even an intimate one. And like we said, in these arenas, those people can make a difference, man. Compared to the dead silence you've been having with only the bench making noise, it can make a big difference. And it would just be nice for these seniors who have sacrificed so much to be able to have a little support there this week and next week. So let's do it, Governor. Let's do it, schools. Let's do it, family, parents, friends. Let's get to these arenas safely, follow the rules, and make a little noise. It's been a weird thing, of course, this season, just with the kind of the competitive imbalance where you have a team that uh, isn't allowing fans and then they go onto the road uh, to an environment that even just a couple of fans in an empty arena. I mean, that echoes that that creates an atmosphere and it's it's an odd thing. And yes, we understand it. Of course, the you know, the virus and the levels are different uh, in individual states, individual governors and school presidents and so on uh, have the power to make whatever decisions that they want to make based on what's going on in their region. So I understand it. But it, I agree, Jerry, it, it would be a nice thing for these seniors to be able to go out with with some fans in the stands, even if it's just their family, to be able to see them there in person. Uh, in Rutgers case, it would be a nice thing for them. And like you said, there are some big games coming up. It, it's weird to think that if you're a diehard Pirates or Scarlet Knights fan, your first opportunity to maybe see the team in person, you'd have to drive all the way out to Indiana for the NCAA tournament. That's still a big if, maybe a bigger if for the Pirates than it is for the Scarlet Knights at the moment. But let's get into our bracketology and our projections. Rutgers, they lose at Michigan last week. They lose at Maryland as well. That Michigan game, they at least looked like they belonged. Uh, the Maryland game, a little bit sloppy from them. Indiana coming up on Wednesday. Nebraska coming up on Sunday. Um, it looks like they're in that 7-8 to eight seed uh area in the NCAA tournament, the latest from uh, USA Today. Of course, our sister paper has them as a seven seed. So, Chris, uh, let's start with you. Just recap this past week and then what we need to see from the Scarlet Knights in order to really either cement their position or move up in the tournament. Yeah, listen, there's there's no shame in losing to a team like Michigan. They're a national championship contender for a reason, uh, and they showed that in that game. Um, and Rutgers played, you know, they fought. They gave it a good effort, um, but they just, you know, couldn't come out on top. Maryland game was different. You know, Maryland was a very beatable team. That was a winnable game, and Rutgers just didn't have the type of showing that they needed. There wasn't the type of urgency, intensity. Um, Their offense was a mess. It was a type of game that they can't afford at this point in the season. 
And now you have a big week. You have, you've got Indiana and Nebraska, as you said, Ryan. Um, Indiana is struggling. They just lost to a down Michigan State team. That was a bad loss for them. But they're going to be coming to the rack trying to get some revenge on Rutgers after Scarlet Knights beat them uh, out at Assembly Hall um, last month, and uh, earlier this month, actually. Um, and uh, and so they're going to be hungry for a win. They also need a win to get kind of off the bubble. So uh, they're kind of like Maryland. Like, they need every victory they can get at this point. And Rutgers does too. And, and they're going to have to change everything that went wrong last night against Maryland. They have to come out with more intensity. Um, they have to fix whatever is wrong with the offense, move the ball, uh, don't rely on taking so many three-pointers, drive to the rim, do those types of things that we know that Rutgers can do uh, to win games. And then obviously you have Nebraska, which, you know, in theory, and I, I keep, I always say in theory because in the Big Ten anything's possible. You know, we've seen that this year. Um, but Nebraska is a very beatable team. And, and, you know, they're they're just a bad team, quite frankly. So these are two big chances for Rutgers this week, and, and they have to take care of business to get themselves um, into a good position. So the, the opportunity is there, whether they can pull it off and, and fix what went wrong last night. You know, that's the big question. Rutgers needs two more wins to get in. Wherever they can get them. There's three regular season games left plus the Big Ten tournament. They need two more wins. Let's start with Indiana because I, 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 I would amend one thing you said, Chris. You said Indiana and Maryland are a lot alike. They're a lot alike in their position for the NCAA tournament, but they're not a lot alike in the way they play basketball. Indiana's right. soft as pudding. They're soft as a pillow. They're just a soft, finesse team. They should play perfectly in a Rutgers' hands. What we've learned about Rutgers over the last couple of months is Rutgers likes to bully the softies. And then when another team grabs their arm and twists, they yell uncle. That's what they do on offense, okay? Their offense is dysfunctional against physical teams. But against finesse teams, softer teams, Rutgers dictates the, the game. They dictate their will. And Indiana is that team. They're soft. And, Ruck, you know, they're, they're not a good defensive team. Uh, Rutgers has bullied them in the past. Over the last couple of years, they've won four out of five against this program. And... I think Indiana is made to order for Rutgers on Wednesday. If Rutgers can't beat Indiana at home, I know Indiana's talent, okay? I know they're decent. They're not a pushover. They don't stink like Nebraska. Nebraska stinks. Indiana's not bad. But if Rutgers cannot cannot beat this soft team with what's at stake at home, then they're they to really in trouble. I think they will win that game and, and right the ship and figure out a way to get in. But it starts Wednesday against Indiana. Well, let's just say this. If Rutgers doesn't shoot the ball better, they're not going to beat anybody else at this point. You know, I mean, you cannot shoot the ball like they've shot it recently. And here's the other thing. Ron Harper has got to play a lot better. He's their best player. He he cannot play like he's played down the stretch. I mean, those are two big keys for, for Rutgers right now. Shoot the ball better. We know they're not a great shooting team, but if they can just be an average shooting team, they can beat some of these teams. If they're going to be a poor shooting team, they're not going to beat anybody. Agree, Steve. That's well said. And I would, I would add that that uh, they should be able to attack the basket against Indiana. That's what they need to do. They got they got bullied and strong arm that's jacking threes by Maryland. I don't think Indiana's going to do that to them. So I expect higher percentage shots, which should lead to better shooting. We'll see. I feel like we've projected Rutgers to win many games this year, kind of on paper on this show, where we look at a team and say, this is a team that Rutgers should absolutely beat. And we're doing it again with Indiana. And it's kind of put up or shut up time for Rutgers. I mean, they're, they're in the tournament as of now, but... Do they belong? Are, are, are they going to make any noise in the tournament? This is a team that we were talking about a few weeks ago. Uh, what? They were approaching the top 15 in the rankings, and now they're just playing inconsistently the way it looks. And they should be 2-0 this week. And I'll predict they have a 2-0 week 
It's time to put your foot down and prove that you belong in the NCAA tournament. Uh, enough of this inconsistency. March is a week away. Do you want to do you want to back into the tournament or do you want to go in with a head of steam? And it's really time. It's it's looking the mirror time for the Scarlet Knights. So I'm predicting a two and zero week. Um, if they go one and one, I guess that's not the worst thing in the world. But these are two games that they should win. This, these are two games that good teams win. And, and if Rutgers wants be- to prove that. They're going to beat Indiana. They're going to beat him with room to spare. But I will agree with you, Ryan. Eight and nine. Rutgers is eight and nine. I know the Big Ten's good. Eight and nine is not good enough to this point, considering what Rutgers has talent-wise, experience-wise. They should be better than this, and they still have time to get better. So we'll see. Uh, uh, That's Wednesday, Indiana, Nebraska on Sunday for the Scarlet Knights. And then we'll get into their final uh, regular season game for the next show that's happening next week. So we'll see with the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Seton Hall, they're not doing themselves any favor as well, uh, depending on what source you go through. Uh, They might be one of the last four in. That's what USA Today has them as this morning. They might be one of the last four out, depending where you look. They're a bubble team, and a bubble team can't lose while when March is right around the corner and Seton Hall loses to DePaul and Georgetown, uh, they have Butler coming up on Wednesday, a struggling Butler team. Uh, Jerry, talk to us about the Pirates because they are losing games at a time when they cannot be losing games. I know it felt like a loss, but they did beat DePaul. <laughs> it, felt, it felt like a loss because they played. Oh, so yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, so Seton Hall's played three poor games in a row, right? They barely beat a Marquette team that's 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 reeling. That's staggering home. They barely beat a DePaul team that's terrible and was missing two starters. And then they they, they lose to Georgetown. Georgetown just shoots the lights out. So Seton Hall had bad offense against a couple games. They had bad defense against Georgetown, a team that's not very good, although playing better. Um, and that now they, they're going to Butler, where Butler is, is kind of like one of those other teams. They're not very good. They're bad, they're struggling, and they're missing players. They're down some key players. It seems like Aaron Thompson is going to be out. He's Butler's best player. He missed the first game against Seton Hall, which Seton Hall won pretty handily. And so I know the game's at Butler. Who cares? This is a game you got to win. Seton Hall should win this game. Butler's, Butler's uh, Ken Palm Ken and their, their net are terrible. You get, you're going to get dinged for a bad loss, and it could knock you out of the tournament. So I think Seton Hall knows what's at stake. It's time for them to put together a complete game and beat Butler and get this thing back on track. Now, the Seton Hall, if Seton Hall takes care of business Wednesday, again, they should have no business losing this game. Okay, so you had a bad game against Georgetown. They were tired, whatever, didn't show, didn't play good D. Time to wake up, ride your talent, play tough, and win this game against Butler. I expect them to win. Uh, they're not going to win easily. Nothing comes easily at this time of year, especially to this team. But they should figure out a way to win the game. Should not come down to the last minute. Okay. Time for guys like senior Sandro, Mamuklashvili, Miles Kale, Junior Jared Roden. These are the core guys, the stars of the team. Time for them to step up and all play well in the same game on both ends of the floor. Okay. And so then Seton Hall has a week off. And can they get Bryce Aiken back in that after that week off? He's already missed two and a half weeks with a knee, knee tendonitis, pain in his knee. He was he had a timeshare at point guard with Javar Reynolds, which was working really well. It puts a lot of pressure on Reynolds, who we all love. It puts a lot of pressure on him to have to play 37 minutes a game in the Big East because there's nobody else who can handle the ball, can play point guard. So, yeah, can they get Aiken back for that big last week? That's the question. First order of business, take care of Butler. I expect they'll do it, and then they'll have a chance to move the needle and get themselves off the bubble. 
Yeah, the the Philadelphia sports fan in me is just always negative. So I give teams losses even when they won. So good catch on that, Jerry. Uh, as of right now, from Scott Gleason at USA Today, uh, Seton Hall, 12 seed. Uh, he has them in that playing game against Minnesota. Uh, so of course they still have some work to do. Uh, another thing I know you wanted to touch on Jerry is just kind of the pressure building for all of these New Jersey schools. We're really realistically looking at four schools in New Jersey that have a shot at the NCAA tournament, Rutgers, Seton Hall, Monmouth, and St. Peter's. Those are really our, our top four teams that have a shot to go to the NCAA tournament. And these are high pressure moments. These are, you know, guys that have been there before guys that haven't been there before. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the the bubble race to try to get in. Um, plus, you know, you go with this season and how difficult it's been with with COVID and with the, the travel and just just an unusual season for these guys. We talked about it a few shows ago, but just kind of the, the pressure that's mentally building for these teams. Right. It needs to be said that there's a lot of there's a lot of mental health issues at play here. Steve has mentioned that before in his podcast for the players, for the coaches who've been in isolation, who've been dealing with all this testing and all the uncertainty. Uh, that's when you combine that with the typical late pressure, the typical pressure of late February, early March, you're going to see, I think, weird things happening. Like King Rice got ejected from his game. Steve can speak to that. Kevin Baggett, a writer, got ejected over the weekend. Uh, you know, Steve Peichel was, he, he shut down access to his players yesterday. Uh, he, he was, he seemed like he was on very much on edge. So you're getting a little, a lot more of that this year, and it does bear watching, and it's, it may have an impact on what happens over the next couple of weeks. Collars are getting very tight everywhere right now. No question about it. And, and, and for our mid-majors too, Steve, the, uh, with um, who's at Mammoth, they lost two this week. Um, still sitting in first place, but it, it's like you're saying, it's, it's the pressures building for them as they kind of race to the finish line here. Oh, you could absolutely see it. And the, I think the biggest story right now it, it, that is going to emerge in the next few weeks in the mid-major ranks is going to be Rick Pitino and Iona. This team, if you if you look at the team that took the court against Seton Hall in that opener, I'm telling you right now, Seton Hall, nobody would want to play this team right now. Patino's got got this kid, Nelly Jr. Joseph. He plucked out of NBA Africa Academy. This kid, a freshman, plug him in on any high major right now. That's how good this kid is. He's got this kid from Christ the King, Ryan Myers. Hit 23 three-pointers in a row in practice recently. He was perfect against Monmouth on Saturday. I mean, Patino has got this thing rolling, and I think they are the favorite in the MAC right now. And I think you are going to see this team really take off. I mean, it's amazing what he, what he, Patino has done with this group. And, and for really, not really surprising. I mean, that's the guy's one of the greatest coaches of all time, and his specialty is player development. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see it. Yeah, I mean, you, you can see how good they are. They, they are they are definitely the favorites right now. And you know, Mammoth made a nice comeback in the second half on Friday after going 22 down. And as Patino said after the game, that's the hardest, that's a hard thing to play with a big lead. You know, you're, you're just trying to not make mistakes and, and Mammoth got back at him. But on Saturday, it was all Iona. I mean, they just really flexed their muscles in that game. And, uh, you know, that it, it's going to be tough for anyone. It's going to be tough for St. Peter's. St. Peter's really got robbed you know, over the weekend, uh, Jerry, you were watching that game a little bit, but one you know, second it's be tough. left they had a tie game. They called a foul on a guy going for a steal. One second left. It wasn't even at the basket. 
One second left. Come on, referees. <laughs> Shaheen Holloway showed great restraint. I can only imagine the blue streak he cursed up when that game ended. And it's the second time this year we've, we've seen a game end that way, unfortunately. That's um, a tough but... one, man, because they would have been one game behind Monmouth for mm-hmm. first place. But as Steve says, you know, what, what does it matter what you finish? Because Iona's going to come in the way they have that tournament seeded. Iona's going to come in as what? The, the five seed? The four? At yeah. best? Yep, at best. And they're going to be a wrecking ball. They're going to be favored as like the four or five seed. Yeah. So, so how do we see this playing out there, Steve? Because we have uh, Mammoth, of course, we just said, got swept by Iona. They have Fairfield coming up Friday and Saturday. St. Peter's splits with Marist. They have Quinnipiac on Wednesday and then uh, Ryder on Friday and Saturday. Uh, they're really just in the mix. I mean, you know, we're talking about tw- uh, four teams at the top of the MAC that, uh, that are going to be in play to, to win the thing. How do we see this playing out over the next week? Well, I still think, again, Mammoth has 10 wins. Siena has nine. St. Peter's has eight. Mammoth has two home games coming up against Fairfield, which is playing better. You know, Mammoth's going to have to play, but those are winnable games. You know, and and uh, so I I think Mammoth is still in reasonable shape. But as Jerry said, what does it matter if you're the one seed this year? It really doesn't matter. There, it, it looks like there's going to be no automatic qualifiers to the NIT, which is going to be, if anything, a scaled back tournament. It appears they haven't made any announcement yet, but it and that kind of could too, Steve, for these for the MAC because you don't even get anything for winning the regular. You get a banner, right. but you don't get a postseason berth for winning you that regular season anything. title. You, it's looking it's looking like, yeah, there will be no AQs this year for the NIT, which could be, I'm hearing, a, a, maybe even like a 16-team tournament at one site over like a week or something like that. So, so yeah, there's no real advantage. You know, you're, you're almost better to try and keep your guys fresh going into the tournament and try and try and land a roundhouse punch in Atlantic City at this point. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. It should be an exciting tournament because, I mean, like we were saying, there's there's four teams that are in legit contention to win that tournament. Uh, so we're definitely looking forward to that. Uh, FDU, by the way, they're swept by St. Francis. They split with St. Mary. They have Sacred Heart coming up on Friday and Saturday. NJIT swept by Binghamton. They have Albany on Saturday. Riders swept by Quinnipiac. Uh, like I said, they have St. Peter's coming up. Friday and Saturday, but it's Monmouth and St. Peter's really in the mix in the MAC uh, to potentially lock down that NCAA tournament berth. Uh, of course, we have a lot to keep an eye on in the coming week. Uh, our last show here in February, so things are going to get really interesting as we head into March. Uh, we can't wait for that. Uh, as we wrap up show number 12, guys, let's just quickly go around. Jerry, we'll start with you. Uh, some things that our listeners can read this week. So I'm writing something about uh, Seton Hall, seven foot two center, Ike Obiaju. Ike has had uh, an improved year. He's kind of been, you know, lost in the mix a little bit with some of Seton Hall's higher profile players. But when the matchup is right, Ike has made a big difference for Seton Hall on the defensive end. And so that, you know, that's going to come into play over these last couple of games. Uh, so I'll be I'll be speaking with him, writing something a little bit about him, about his improvement and his importance. And then, you know, senior night coming up for Rutgers. We will be talking with Geo Baker and uh, Jacob Young about their journey, and especially Geo Baker, who has been the heart and soul of this Rutgers basketball renaissance. If you want someone to root for, boy, it would be it would just be great to see Geo Baker wrap up his career if this is indeed the end of the line with an NCAA tournament berth. He's a great guy, and he will certainly have some introspection about his journey when we speak with him uh, on Tuesday. Great stuff there. Steve, how about you? 
You know, I got some stuff online today uh, from King Rice, uh, a conversation I had with him last week dealing with his four seniors and the extra year of eligibility. And particularly at a mid-major, you have a lot of guys chirping at these guys what they should do now next year. And it's it's been kind of a distraction. And, and for a program like Mammoth that has lost a top player each of the last three years, um, it's, it's become a big issue. And I'm sure at a lot of mid-majors and soon to be a big issue at a lot of high majors, you know, as guys uh, with an extra year of eligibility start to ponder their future and have family members and girlfriends and everybody talking to them about what they're going to do. Um, so we'll have that. And we'll also look at, uh, you know, Mama's uh, series against Fairfield coming up. Great stuff as always. And Chris? So today I have a column up uh, just kind of looking at what Rutgers needs to do in the final three games um, and what they need to bring to the court, you know, to get these wins. And then later this week, I'm not going to give much away, but I'm going to have a story about somebody within Rutgers program uh, who's not a player, but who has had a, a significant amount uh, to do with their success and um, has been instrumental in, in the, what they've been able to do. So uh, keep an eye on uh, app.com for that coming up later this week. We're certainly looking forward to that. We'd like to thank you for listening to Jersey Jump Shot episode 12. Uh, like I said, things are just getting more and more interesting as the season progresses. So be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on SoundCloud, Spotify, or iTunes. March is just around the corner. I know we can't wait for that. I know you're excited too. Thank you for listening to this episode and all season long. We will be back next week. It's March. We have a lot to get through. We can't wait for that. For Jerry, for Chris, for Steve, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.